Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. You heard it straight out of Vegas. Steve Cofield, RJ Bell. And guys, we've got two wise guys tonight. And what a night recapping the semifinals. A lot of important Vegas takeaways and then previewing. And we've got the early line previewing Monday's championship game. Number one wise guy chair, college specialist, Brad Powers. Best bet winner on Michigan. Looking for more on Monday night. Hey, we love the humility. Number two. Hey, <laughs> hey, if it's true, it ain't bragging. I've heard that one. Second wise guy, maybe the most famous sports better in the world, Steve Fezzik. Two hours of sports betting talk. Gotta love it. Who wrote that for you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> I mean, he had the kind of the old announcer's voice to say, we've got two hours of amazing sports betting talk. You get what you get, right? You get what you get. Uh, what you got tonight from Villanova was a record-setting shooting performance. And, man, Kansas was just stunned like Fezzik was a couple of seconds ago. 18 threes on the night for Villanova. We have a lot to break down in the game. I'm not sure that there's much to break down beyond the three-point shooting, is there? I think there is. Well, I think the Vegas lead for sure is let's figure out what happened today because if it was just the scoreboard, well, that's too easy, right? Everyone would win. We know they don't. So Brad scoreboard said Villanova dominant. As Cofield said, three-point shooting awesome. Was it as it seemed? It was. Basically from start to finish. Nova... Led twenty-two to four 
outside the gate, and for the remainder, 36 minutes of the game, led by double digits, all 36 minutes. You mentioned it, historic. Historic at halftime. They tied the final four record Villanova did for made three three-point field goals made, 13 at halftime, hit 18 for the game. Historically good, set the NCAA record for a single season, made three-point field goal attempts. Okay, so my first response, Brad, is when someone shoots really, really well and the whole world sees it. I think it's very important to remember every you know, more people are watching watched these two games than any game this season. Monday night will be the only one that surpasses it. And when you see domination, when you see a number one seed dominate another number one, you're gonna get a lot of recency bias. People are gonna look and say, that's one of the best teams I've ever seen. At halftime of the Villanova game, I put out on Twitter my projected line, Villanova minus six, and over 90% of the response was, I'm going to get an SBA loan to bet on Villanova. So devil's advocacy here, (laughs) I don't think they were that clever, but close. Devil's advocacy here, when someone shoots really, really well, don't we think, wow, that's not them. This isn't an average performance for Villanova. It was way above average, correct? Yes. They so aver- we wouldn't expect the next game. You know, your best bet or your best prediction on any team is they're going to have an average performance for them. So when a team has an above average performance, then statistically we expect less from Villanova on Monday. Without getting into the Monday handicap yet, is there any reason not to expect a regression from Villanova. No, and I'll say I fully expect it because what Villanova faces on Monday night is the best defense that they've faced all season. It's very similar to the defense that Villanova faced in the Elite Eight round against Texas Tech where Villanova had their worst shooting percentage in the last three years. Are we splitting hairs a little bit, though? Is this just one of those games for Villanova where they hit threes instead of twos? They took a lot of threes. This is arguably one of the best offensive teams of the last 15 or 20 years. So when we talk regression... They may play a great game on Monday. It just may not be from three. That's very true. I mean, the numbers bear it out, right? Number two. No, second best offense in the last 17 years, according to the Kempom ratings. That's pretty crazy. Okay, so based upon that being their average performance. So Michael Jordan, back in the day, scoring 20 or some years, scoring 31, was an average performance. right? So if he scored 36, you expected the next game to be less. If he scored 28, you expected the next game to be more. Villanova... Second best in 17 years. Let's accept that from yep. Ken Palm. Was today better than their average performance this year? No question. Villanova okay. came into the, this game averaging 87 points per game. To do it against Kansas, exceed that number by far and above average. One of their best performances of the season. Fezzik, same question to you. Number one, or I guess not number one takeaway, but rather, is Villanova as good as that score? No. However... I was so impressed by the fact that Kansas, I thought, played really good defense. And Vill- wait, 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 hold on. Really good defense in general or really good defense today? Really good defense today contesting the threes, and wow. Villanova still made them. That has me very concerned. Is this team stoppable? Let me, let me ask you, Brad Powers. Do you agree with that? Because I heard some of the TV goofs saying, oh, they're wide open on all the shots. I'm like, well, I, don't, I didn't think they were wide open. No. The, the, most, more often than not, they were contested, specifically in the second half where Villanova kind of came back to their season average as far as shooting the, the three. I, I thought they were relatively contested. I didn't come away from it and say, hey, Kansas' defense, what a poor performance. But I will say this. 
if there was one unit that was you know coming into the Final Four that was probably below average compared to the other units, Kansas didn't even have a top 40 defense. Kansas had by far the worst defense out of the four teams in the Final Four. I'll tell you this. If I'm looking to bet Michigan, and we'll be talking later in the show, two hours tonight, guys, all the way to midnight Pacific, straight out of Vegas, I'm R.J. Bell. If I was thinking of Michigan on Monday, and we'll be talking about a guy that's got a million dollars, a million-dollar ticket on Michigan. We talked about him last night. And we've got a guy in the studio. He's not in the square chair. He's not Brad. Steve Fezzik. You've got a ticket for Michigan to win the title. How much do you win? 16000 Ooh, we'll be talking about that. It's not a million. Still a nice chunk. I'd be scared if I hear someone say, because if I didn't watch the game and I think, oh, Villanova scored a bunch, I'm thinking, well, the defense is bad. If someone tells me one of the eight best teams in the country, Kansas, though statistically not a great defensive team, played at least average, if not maybe even above average defense for them, and Villanova still looks so dominant on offense, wow, that's the biggest takeaway. I mean, Cofield, you as a guy, hey, we, we say it's the square chair, but it's all relative. Five years behind the counter, you've been in sports radio for over two decades, is... Doesn't that make you think, wow, if they can just kind of common sense, if they can do it, if Villanova can do it against a top eight team that actually didn't play poorly defensively, then it seems like they can do it against pretty much anyone. I was super impressed. I think the uh, the ability to interchange positions and everyone shooting threes, they're a hard team to cover. And I'm, I'm already starting to think of the, the square chair sports talk take and starting to look at this team as one of the better teams just overall of the last 15 years. And I want to start comparing them to Teams of the past because of the way they play the game. The game has changed. We've talked about Golden State Warriors elements starting to move into college basketball where if you have bigs, uh-oh, you know, you have Azubuke who's a giant kid at seven foot and 250 pounds. He can actually be a detriment on defense because he's got to go out and defend at 19 feet. Wow. Now this is an, and again, I don't read as voraciously in college basketball as I do in the sports I handicap like the NFL. Is this a narrative? I haven't heard it. Whereas Villanova's the only team. Because I saw something from, I think it was from 538, and I read the headline. I didn't read the story. It said, Kansas is the only team playing modern basketball. This was before the game started. With modern being, obviously, the Golden State the Golden State approach. Um, would we make the case, X's and O's wise, that Villanova is... A later generation of compared to these other teams, let's say in the let's say in the final eight. Yep. All right. So how so? Well, I mean, they're very similar to, to Golden State and their reliance on the three point well, shot. They have the most threes made in a season in how long? Ever, ever, ever. They're the best three point shooting make team ever. And, and it's not just two or three guys that are really good. They have six guys, Villanova, that average better than thirty nine percent from beyond the arc, and that what that's what makes Villanova so tough to, to guard when you got all your bigs can pull. RJ, up their and, big and is six eight two fifty. Spellman is six eight two fifty, and he was part of that run early where they came out and hit seven threes. Is it that simple though? And and I'm asking genuinely because. Uh, in college basketball, again, not my expertise. Is it that simple? Shoot a bunch of threes, you're modern? I mean, is it about spacing? Is it about defense where you're switching more? I mean, just in the NBA, you know, Fez, you're an NBA originator. You are an expert at the NBA, a two-time Super Contest champion in the NFL. But, hey, NFL is over and you get into the NBA. Is 
if I said, give me 30 seconds on what Golden State does differently in 2018 than what the best teams did in 2010, what would be the quick checklist? You shoot layups and threes. You right, so, so avoid the, lo- the twos, the long twos, and? Bomb away from three. Makes 40% of your threes, RJ. 1.2 points per position. Don't play a real center. You play Draymond Green, just like the Spellman kid at 6'8", 250, just like uh, Pascal at 6'7", 230. You really don't have a true center. Which I think speaks to the spacing, right? Which is, in theory, if you had a seven-footer that 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 can go out and guard, then you're fine, right? And we, we see that with the various, very athletic seven-footers that are coming up in their second, third, fourth year. But the old-school centers have trouble with the spacing. So we think we would make the case in Villanova is is embracing that as much as any team. No question. Think about this team now. This is two out of three years are going to make the final, right? Yep. They can win a second national championship. Remember the semifinals the last time around against Oklahoma? Bombs away. 44-point win? Yep. So Oklahoma had no idea what it was facing. And Kansas kind of came out and was awestruck as well. And you, you look at it, and it kind of made sense that Villanova would have a good, at least a good night shooting, especially coming off such a poor performance against Texas Tech. But I, I certainly didn't expect 13 made field goals. You go back to last night's prop bet, which uh, remember the prop bet? You notice he didn't mention that coming out. Oh, <laughs> the prop bet was was combined make threes between Kansas and Villanova it was 20 over under 20. I like the two under. Because Villanova hadn't been, Villanova had actually taken 24 threes combined in the last two games. Tonight they took 40. Made 18. Kansas made seven. Good night on that prop bet. You know, the square chair, Cofield, sat back, waited, waited. Hit him with the overhand right. <laughs> All right, let's break down uh, Loyola and Michigan on the way back. Now, but we're not downplaying Michigan because Michigan has a great head coach in John Beeline. We'll get into his against the spread numbers, his overall win numbers. He has been tremendous. That's on the way. Straight out of Vegas on Fox Sports Radio. Lobs it ahead, Charles Matthews to the rim, and a two-handed stop, a big scream as he cocked and hammered it home. Michigan leading 63-53 with 1.23 to go. Straight out of Vegas, Michigan moves on with a 12-point victory, 69-57 over Loyola. It's Steve Cofield, RJ Bell. We got two wise guys here, Brad Powers and Fezzik, and during the break, after that love fest of 15 minutes about Villanova, and I started building, I'm like, this is one of the great teams of all time. A couple of you guys were like, pump the brakes. Calm down. Well, listen, your opinion, Cofield, isn't, uh, you're not alone with it. And one of the things I talk about, in fact, I talked about this with uh, JT and Looney this week. I do a segment with them every Thursday, uh, 620 Pacific, right here on Fox. We have a human nature to overemphasize what we saw most recently. And a lot of people think, oh, you know, that's a sign of stupidity. Like, if you're really smart, you don't have recency bias, and the dumb people do. No. The smart people might be smart enough to realize they're having it, but the recency bias is instinctual. And not that I'm an evolutionary (laughs) specialist, but in the basic stuff I've read about, the theory is, hey, if you hear a rustling behind a tree, you don't think, well, you know, nine, nine of the last ten trees I heard rustling, it was just leaves. You think that might be a bear, right? Now, the ones, you know, genetically who said, oh, don't worry about it, peace and love, those, <laughs> like Fez, those people, 
Peace and love. Peace and love. Well, they're gone. <laughs> they're, <laughs> simple. That, that was it. <laughs> their genes are gone. And so it is human nature. It's just the smart guys like Brad, like Fezzik, they're able to know they have that limitation and act accordingly. But we're hearing people we respect say this is Villanova team's the best team in the last 20 years, best team they've ever power rated. And during the break, I asked Brad, who does his power ratings up, pregame.com, every week during the season, all 351 teams, is when was the last time you didn't have Villanova number one? And you said... Yeah, about a month ago. <laughs> and you had Villanova in Virginia right there. Now, the fact Virginia lost first time ever number one seed, if we overemphasize that, that's recency bias, right? If you look at Virginia as a body of work and not emphasizing the tournament, it's just one game of their 30-some. Virginia had one of the 10 best seasons of the last 20 years, probably, if you just look at wins and how impressive those wins were versus how few losses they had. I mean, no team in ACC history had ever won 20 games. All those great Duke and North Carolina teams. And they play the same number of conference games now than they did back in the day? I think the last six or seven years they added a couple games. Their defense was historic, too, right? Best as far as Ken Palm's defensive efficiency ratings, the best in the last 18 years. So here's, I think, uh, submitted for your consideration is if we have two teams that not that long ago we thought were both borderline all time historic teams, one team gets upset, Virginia, in the first round, historic upset. The other team wins five games impressively, all five. Yeah. There's no doubt Virginia plays Villanova today. Villanova's favored, but not by that much. That's an interesting question. What would your line, Brad, what would your line be between Villanova and Virginia on a neutral if they played Monday for getting rest? I would have Villanova three and a half. Wow. Three, three and a half. So how how much have you upgraded Villanova throughout the tournament? I think after tonight, two points coming in tonight. After tonight, probably another point or so. So three, three and a half points. Okay, and you're downgrading Virginia a point, point and a half for that loss. All right, I yep. hear you. But the idea they were so close, Virginia and Villanova, not that long ago, I think saying this is an all-time great. Now, we could say both were a borderline all-time great team, so now one has emerged to still be. But, boy, I'm not, I, I think there is some overreaction here. Fez, your thoughts? I think I'd make them a larger favorite here. So when you say them... Villanova would be, I think, minus four against Virginia in okay, my eyes. fair enough. But the idea in your... And again, you don't power rate, and it, you've got guys that help, and it's not like you're doing it the hundredth of point like Brad. But a month ago, if I would have said... And I'm not asking who had a better chance to advance in the tournament, because that's about style of play and all that. But how good is Virginia? How good is Villanova? A month ago, they would have been pretty close to you. Absolutely. So... It could be one of two things. We're overreacting to Villanova, or what we've seen in the last month has really shined a different light on how good this team is. I think it's probably a combination. I agree. And also keep in mind, Villanova, when they were struggling about a month ago, were down two starters, and those two starters would have played every one of their games. I think it would be more legitimate talking about Villanova being maybe a historically good team, top at least top five team in the last 20 years. But it's important to make this point, and you should make it when you say something like this, is whenever you're power rating, you are considering every game played based upon the circumstances of that game. Yep. Right? So when Villanova had their 
starters out, you graded their games considering, hey, they had their starters out. So if they only win by five and they were, and they were supposed to win by more, hey, it's caught maybe it, you know some of it, not maybe, certainly because of the starters. And thus, when you power rate a team today, it's based on how good they are today. Fezzik does the NFL power ratings up at pregame.com. If Brady's healthy Monday morning, their power rating might be 10 points better than the rest of the league. Number one, let's say ranked. Brady gets hurt Monday afternoon. You're going to have them six, seven points lower immediately, right? Absolutely. All right. So whatever a team is at the given time, you consider their performance. And whatever a team is today, you consider their current state, right? So the fact that Villanova was had players hurt didn't affect your power rating entering the tournament for them. No. Still had them number one. Something like that. And that's the difference between like a Jeff Sagarin or even a Ken Palm, right? All they can do is look, uh, an algorithm can look at the games and say, how impressive are these results? What a Vegas guy can do is say, hey, how good was that team relative to who was playing then? How good was their performance? And how good is that team now relative to who they have playing now? Just like if a team gets traded. If, if somehow LeBron James got traded to the Rockets, all of a sudden, the Sagarin numbers for the Rockets wouldn't be applicable because LeBron didn't play all those games, but you'd upgrade them in the Vegas rankings. So Villanova laying five wins, 95-79 over Kansas. Let's put a bow on Kansas this season. Interesting campaign, record-setting campaign, again, adding to that streak in the Big 12, winning 14 straight regular season titles. So what do you guys think of the Kansas season? What do you take out of this game? Well, Kansas coming in... I Got a number one seed, obviously. I didn't think I didn't power rate Kansas as a number one seed coming into the tournament. I had them closer to eight to ten, and I think after, even though they exceeded my expectations to a certain extent, getting to the final four, it's they pretty much played out when when you look at it. I mean, their first four games in the tournament was within one bucket of the spread each time, and their final game blowout loss. So really, when you look at the final power rating of Kansas's tournament, what they've done in the five games in the tournament. Kind of going to be a net net as far as an overall power rating. One thing about Kansas, they had a really good draw in this tournament, four games very close to home. And now that they got a little further away from home, I think we saw they were more like a two seed, a good two seed, than a strong one seed. To me, what's interesting about this topic isn't how who was right or who was wrong about what power rating. That's all over now for Kansas. What's interesting about this topic is what have we learned about the Kansas program? Because what we saw was, on Twitter, they had the Villanova coach, they had Kansas coach Bill Self, and it was like uh, uh, low-paid public defender versus the best lawyer in town. You know, there's a lot of memes like that where <laughs> you these guys are both professionals, just like attorneys are all professional professionals, and one was like one of the best and one is average. Now, to me... You look at Bill Self, and and that's the thing. Once you get such a big brand, like Bill Self has, like Kansas basketball has, as good as Villanova has has been, and, and they're favored to win the title this year again, we'll see if they do it, they've got one title, right? Yep. In, the, in the recent, you know, since Massimino, right? So the the Kansas has two, right? And I'm not just saying let's just count the titles. I'm saying which team does better than get a couple of titles every 10 or 15 years. Like, that's the high as college basketball gets, right? Is there any college basketball team I'm forgetting? I, I mean, Roy Williams, I guess, has three, right? 
Yeah, other than Duke and North Carolina in the last 15, well, Connecticut well, even, has three. All right, so, but but with with Duke, how many years back do you have to go to get to three? 2002. Yeah, so we're looking at 16 years you've got there. So winning winning in, in three in 15, 16 years means you're the very best, Yep. right? Winning two in 15 or 16 years means you're amongst like the third through sixth best team, right? Do the math. You can't have more than six winning two or three. Right? And there's always going to be the straight one. So self is clearly, if it's just titles is all you care about, is right there in the top, you know, five, six coaches in the last, the century. Right? Yep. All right. So now the question becomes, every time Bill Self loses, it's like some indictment of Bill Self. But every year, every coach loses, or every coach who makes a tournament, loses their last game except one. So I guess I just don't see other than Duke and North Carolina. Like if I said Bill Self is the third best coach in college basketball behind Roy Williams, and I'm not saying I believe this, <laughs> but if I said it, third best coach Bill Self behind Williams and Coach K is what results would you show me? I get you could say, well, in this timeout, I wish he would have done this, but what results can you show me that contradict that? I don't have Concrete ones that contradict that. I mean, 13 straight regular season titles? Who's done that over a sustained period of time? And maybe the better language would be the third most successful coach. And it's just so... I've never seen a coach that you could say is the third most successful of the century, 18 years in, that seems to get more heat. Why do you... Cofield, you you do 15 hours of local radio a week. Why do you think that is? Because you have to win. You're compared to well, but the, he, you're he's compared the third. To the he's the third biggest winner. He's got one national title, doesn't he? Yep. Oh, there's one national. He's title? He's got one national title. All these years, he's got one national title. And you know the other guy who actually was measured the same way until he he won later in his career was Dean Smith. You know something? Dean Smith I was, had I was talking about. Kid. I think 17 overall ACC titles for the longest time. He had one. Well. You know, first of all, that my mistake then, because I was just talking to a Kansas guy about this, and I said one, and he said, no, he's got two. So I guess I, you know, I don't know, miscommunication with him. I didn't remember the second one, but, you know, I believe the guy who was the expert. The years do blur for me sometimes, in college basketball especially. Okay, but but how, how many people in this century have more than one? Just a couple guys. Just yeah. Coach K and Roy Williams. You know, it, it, it just, it, it seems like other than titles... If you just say, okay, you get one point for winning in the first round, too. You know, if you look, how many wins have they had in the tournament might be a good way to look at it. I mean, where's, where's he at there? Top oh, five, clearly. But, but, so, I mean, I, I don't know. If you look at it, again, I'm not going to kill Bill Self, but he is measured against the greatest of this era in, the, in this century. The Kansas program, I would say, is the top five program. They're in on every top 25 recruit. They're in the mix. They've got three Final Fours and one title. Okay, Is that good enough? <laughs> when there's only two or three people doing better, right. right? Like if you're saying, yes, you haven't lived up to expectation. You are the fifth best in the world at what you do. You know, it's like the old Anna Kornikova joke. We're going to go and get an update here in a moment, but it's like the old Anna Kornikova joke. It's like, she is better than you. at uh, She is better at tennis than you likely are at anything you've ever done. Right. Cause Kornikova was like, yeah. what? 30, for a couple of years, everyone's like, "Oh, she's no good." It's like, I, you know, I don't know. You, we might find a very narrow niche. I'm top thirty in the world, but it would have to be pretty narrow. It's not something like tennis, right? 
We'll get to the Michigan win. We'll continue with a little bit more on Bill Self. But first, with the latest, Steve DeSager. Villanova dominated Kansas at the Final Four tonight. 95-79 was the final. Since the Wildcats won the Big East Tournament in overtime, they've won five straight in the NCAAs, all by double digits. They were up on Kansas 22-4 early in this one, led by 20 points early in the second half. The Wildcats from three-point range, 18 for 40, and on two-pointers, 18 for 25. Michigan only scored 24 points its first 22 minutes of its semifinal, but came back to beat 11-seed Loyola Chicago 69-57. to Great news, there's a quick way you can save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Among the five NBA games, Boston won at sixth in a row, beating Toronto 110-99. to The Raptors just two games ahead of the Celtics now for the top seed in the East, and the NBA playoffs start in two weeks. Jordan Spieth is four shots back at golf's Houston open. In the baseball late game, the Dodgers won, shutting out the rival Giants 5-0. Milwaukee's 3-0 after a win at San Diego. Mets 2-0 after Jacob deGrom beat the Cardinals. Washington is 2-0 after Steven Strasburg won at Cincinnati. Pittsburgh and Detroit was rained out. They'll have a split doubleheader tomorrow. Boston and Toronto got wins. Minnesota's Kyle Gibson with six no-hit innings. A reliever then gave up uh, hit in the ninth, eighth inning, two outs in the eighth. Minnesota six-two winner at Baltimore. Atlanta a fifteen-to-two win over Philadelphia. Cubs in ten innings, one at Miami, ten-six, and victories for Colorado and the White Sox. Back to you. All right, thank you, Steve. Do we continue on Bill Self? You want to make more of a case? No, I think let's put a bow on it. Though is looking at the record, and boy, this was amazing. Is first-year coaching night, Bill Self, ninety-three, ninety-four. Oral Roberts, 6-21. and 21. So imagine you went to high school with him. He's back for the summer for a couple <laughs> of days. And he looks at you and goes, you know, Freddie, or you know, Fezzik, <laughs> I'm going to be one of the top five coaches of the century. And oh, by the way, people's going to think I'm a failure, but I'm still going to be one of the top five most successful coaches of the, of the 20th century. I mean, how crazy would you think he was after going six and twenty-one his first year as a head coach? I think it much more likely he'd be living in my basement one day. <laughs> in your basement. I'll throw two more names at you. When Jay Wright wins the national title on Monday. Uh if Jay Wright wins the national title on Monday and Billy Donovan, are they better than Bill Self? Donovan won back to back, went off to the NBA. Well, you know, Donovan is so interesting because you would make the case right. <laughs> In that era, especially right after those results, he was on pace to be, you know, if you would, obviously you never think someone's going to beat like, uh, you know, Bobby. Who has the most wins in college basketball history? Uh, Most titles or most wins? Most wins. Most wins, I think, is Coach K right now. Okay. Yeah. If you would have said, okay, is there someone that could possibly catch Coach K one day or whoever was number one back, you know, then, wouldn't you have thought Billy Donovan might have been one the guy, right? He was so young. He looked like he was a lifer. Then, obviously, there were many years in Florida with very mixed. That's the thing that impresses. It's so weird because how many? Let's think about it another way. If we say making the Sweet 16 is somehow like, okay, you've had a good year. It doesn't care who you are. Making the Sweet 16 means you've had a good year. I think that's fair to say is if you count up the, the Sweet 16 consistency for someone like Self, I mean, I think it's borderline unmatched. And, I mean, we could do the analysis. So it's almost like he, had, he doesn't have years that they make the NIT. 
You know, I mean, you look at it every year at Kansas, they've made the NCAA three years at Illinois. They made the NCAA and his last two years at Tulsa, they made the NCAA. So he's made the NCAA tournament every year since 2000, 2001, that year, every year. And actually, excuse me, all the way back to 98, 99. So, and then if you go into, okay, well, let's call the sweet 16, a certain threshold of success. You've got even the best coach. Now, Coach K's up there. Too. You don't see Coach K not making the tournament. But how many coaches are that good that pretty much every year they make the tournament and almost every year they go to the Sweet 16? Three or four. That's it. But somehow, because they don't win those last couple games sometimes, more times than not, it's the old Buffalo Bills. What is the 90s Buffalo Bills legacy? Because <laughs> I think, Fez, you weren't, professionally handicapping the early 90s yet, right? But you were following the NFL. If I made the case from 1980 to 2000, a 20-year period, obviously, and I said that Bills team was the third or fourth best team in that era, would that seem crazy? Not at all. They they were laying six points in their first Super Bowl loss. Yeah, I mean, so once again, if you're grading for playoff wins, I'm guessing that the Bills had... You know, if you were in those 20 years, if you just counted playoff wins in any six year period, you know, the Bills had about as amazing. If they would have won four more games, each of the four Super Bowls, they would have been considered the greatest team ever, yep. winning four in that, that period of time. It's straight out of Vegas coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We finally get to Michigan, the other participant in the final. 69-57 winner, laying five and a half against Loyola. But Michigan was down five with nine and a half minutes left. So I think this is going to be a really interesting grade from the experts. Uh, down 10, you know, seven, eight minutes into the second half. And that best bet that I proudly, you know, right at the top of the show was saying, <laughs> easy winner, was not looking so easy. Welcome when to Michigan the Mirage, Mr. Ten. Papa Giorgio. <laughs> so what, what happened? Was it, was, it, was it gas tank? I mean, obviously... Uh, RJ was tweeting out, hey, Cinderella, you know, the whole thing, it runs out at some point. I mean, that's more of a factual deal that the uh, 11 seeds are just not going to make the final game. So what happened in those final 10 minutes where Michigan just took over? First, what was consistent and has been consistent all year, Michigan's defense was consistent in the first and second half. What changed is Michigan just simply didn't hit shots in the first half, hit 29% of their field goals. Second half, they couldn't miss, 57% from the field. That was the large disparity. Down seven at halftime, outscore Loyola Chicago by 20-plus, make that huge run at the end of the game. Best? I think the Brad nailed it. The Michigan defense, that elite defense, was elite the entire game. They could not make a shot in the first half. Rockman is bricking threes off the backboard for Michigan, but that defense kept them in the game, and it basically prevented Loyola from even shooting threes. Loyola only went one for ten from three-point land in this game. They only got ten three-point shots. That Michigan D was as good as it's been all tournament. You know, you mentioned, Cofield, some historical facts in the tournament. And the beauty of the tournament is we've had 64 teams starting on the first Thursday since 1985. So we've got a lot of very consistent, um, applicable data and here's two things I tweeted out. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Right after the game, for the 29th time in 30 years, the NCAA champion will be a four seed or better. Think about that. So, oh, this 11 seed or this 12 seed didn't get in and this team got to play in. And oh, St. Mary should have been in. And again, making the 
one of the great things the NCAA tournament has done, and I mean, we're pretty critical of the NCAA, and I think rightfully so. Right? I don't know any media. I don't, is there any Cofield? You like we said, you follow sports <laughs> media. Is there any media guy that's like a cheerleader for the NCAA? <laughs> Maybe Jim Nance, but he's not true media. He works for him. Yeah. Okay. But sports talk radio guy or columnist? No. No one. No one's backing up the NCAA. So we're pretty hard on him, and like we said, I think it's justified. But what have they done that the college football can't do? And obviously that's the NCAA too. But what has basketball done that football can't do? We now don't care about any bowl game except, and we'll call them a bowl game, but the playoffs. Yep. Even USC, Ohio State, literally 24 hours before the game, we were debating on this show, is the quarterback for USC going to play? Is it worth it? This is worth his time to play in this meaningless game. I mean, think about the old, you know, obviously a different perspective on him today, but you hear story, you know, again, it's always funny. What happened when you were born or a couple years before you were born all the way up to your 10, it feels like ancient history. Like you don't remember, but then stuff that happened when you were 12, it's like, that's modern, right? We all had those. <laughs> you know, I remember, so I was 10 in 1980 and Led Zeppelin broke up right around there. So when I was like 12 or 13, I would go to the convenience store. It was my only literary outlet, except the library was the rack of magazines. They always had Hit Parader, which was an old rock and roll magazine. Every third episode, uh, edition it, issue, it would say, Led Zeppelin back together? Question mark. To me, Zeppelin was like Sinatra. It was so old, even though it was a couple years before, right? So I remember hearing stories about O.J. Simpson and, you know, in USC and the Rose Bowl and Archie Manning and it's like most, of, you know, Woody Hayes won what? Two national, if I'm, I'm going by memory, like two national titles in all those years. Usually it was you go to the Rose Bowl and that's your game. That's the game of the year. Now, somehow we're more interested in the playoffs than any of those old bowl games. I give them that thumbs up. There's three games. And now there's no other games that people are really interested in in the college bowls. But in basketball, the very act of making the tournament. Uh, did you, we saw that. A lot of people saw the tape when Syracuse made the tournament, how excited they were, right? That's analogous to getting the play-in of being in the <laughs> the Weed Whacker Bowl, <laughs> right? In, in El Paso. You, ever, you think those kids are screaming? So somehow, some way, they've done an amazing job making the entry into the big dance. Because anyone can win. It's, it's the except, dream. Anyone, oh, you're except right. Except you're 29 and 30 years. It's going to happen. There's only the top four seeds. It's finally, hey, we had a 16 beat a one. It's finally going to happen where we have like an eight, a nine, a 10. Oh, I'm sure it will, but it's going to be the exception. It will Just be like the 16s winning. Yep. Uh, Villanova is six and a half. The total is 145 and a half. Yes, the number is out for the national title game. Villanova is the favorite. We start breaking down the game on the way back here straight out of Vegas on Fox Sports Radio. Vegas! Here's DiVincenzo on the left wing with eight to shoot, launching a three. That's good. DiVincenzo with the 18th made three for Villanova. They lead it by 20, 83 to 63. Straight out of Vegas, you hear the call there from Westwood 1. 18 threes for Villanova, record setting. Believe it or not, the record was only in the final four for made threes by a team. 13 was done twice. Different kind of basketball now. You shoot a lot of threes, and if you can make them, well, in this case... You can blow the doors off of good competition, 95-79. Villanova wins, and as a result, I think, I think that's what they base it on. Uh, the line is minus 6.5. 
we want to make a bigger, bigger presentation. I kind of blew, blew, blew the lid off that when we went to break, but it's six and a half Villanova's favorite in the title game. Well, here's what we do. We've got a second hour coming up all the way to midnight Pacific right here straight out of Vegas. And I think the big chunk of that, at least the first half hour, is going to be breaking down Monday. So I think what we do is we got the line out there, as we said. It's a big line. I'm telling you. Now, on Twitter. I was going to say there's already a seven and a half in town. In Las Vegas. Where at? Stations. Okay, which is a square shop. So that, that, that fee, and when I say a square shop, they have mostly recreational batters. And when there's a team that's very popular, especially a team that's favored, that did well recently, tonight, today, the recreational guys tend to flock to them. And that's what I saw on Twitter is I put out a projected number at halftime and it was minus six, which it opened at six. So it was a good number. And I had like 90% of people talking about, you know, some type of loan to bet Villanova. So I think we're going to see a lot of public Villanova money. We can also talk about when to bet this game. My sense is if you do like the dog, it's going to be wait till later. Let me ask you this, Brad, and this will be a a good lead into the full handicap right after the top of the hour. You I think have had a real good feel for Michigan and you've got a nice future ticket at 40 to one. We gave it right here on straight out of Vegas out as a free pick. Fez has a super nice one. $16,000 ticket, right? 400 pays 16,000. So you guys are, we're going to be talking in the next hour after the handicap about hedging, right? What are they, Cause people are fascinated when you hedge, when you don't hedge. And by the way, Fez will be tweeting out his ticket so you can see it. No, he's telling the truth. He's shaking his head. Oh, he is? Okay. No, it's already... He's, he's agreeable? Okay. It's already pinned to my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a pin. He's got arrows pointed to it. There's a, you don't want to hide that, baby. There's a picture of him with an armed guard with it. I mean, come on. So, But on Twi- you can follow Fez on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K. It's at Fezzik Sports. But here's my question, Brad. I think you've been right on Michigan the following way. They became a very good team at some point later in the year. Let's start there. What was that trigger for them to go from a good team to better than that? It was actually on the offensive end. Michigan had struggled for most of the season on the offensive end. Last seven, eight games of the regular season into the Big Ten tournament, that offense finally clicked, and they were playing at a top-20 level. Then, because the defense was good the whole year. Yep. Then in the, in the NCAA tournament, you made a great point. This team's advancing. They had the one game they were very lucky. Their defense is still great, but their offense, they weren't playing all that well. Offense has only had one good 40-minute game, the Sweet 16 game against A&M. So what I'm fascinated by is they were able to beat Loyola even though they only played, what, about 10, 12 minutes of good offense? Exactly. So the question is, it's a great tease to the handicap. Will this all because the defense is there for Michigan? Will the offense be able to match up in a way and play the way they were at the end of the regular season? Classic matchup to break down. We'll do it on the other side. We will talk hedging and those big tickets right here on Straight Out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas. Hour two of Straight Out of Vegas is here. Steve Cofield, R.J. Bell. And guys, what a first hour. We recapped the two semifinal games. Now we look forward. That's what batters like to do. Now you got to learn what happened before you can feel good about how you handicapped the next game. We're ready for that. 
and we've got two professional batters with us. Brad Powers, a college specialist. And we're looking to maybe find another maybe best bet winner. We had one on Michigan tonight, looking for one on Monday night. And we have perhaps the most famous sports batter in the world, Steve Fezzik, the only two-time Super Contest champion. And we'll see if we have a consensus or whether we have a disagreement on the championship game. This hour of Straight Outta Vegas is brought to you by Hooters. Get out to Hooters for the national title game and try those smoked wings. Brand new, whole new way to crave wings. And with all the taste and half the calories, you can eat twice as many. Go to Hooters for that national title game. So the numbers are set. Villanova, minus six and a half. The total against Michigan, 145 and a half. This is your classic offense versus defense matchup. All right, Brad, we're going to start with you. What is the number one factor, handicapping factor, to pick Monday's game? Villanova's three-point shooting. Do not expect anything near what Villanova did tonight, hitting 18 three-pointers. Number one, Michigan's defense is the best defense Villanova's faced all season. The only defense... So let's say that again. All season. All season. Regular season. Conference, tournament, NCAA tournament, best defense. So what's the metric that... Tells us that. Ken Palm's defensive efficiency ratings. The only defense that's close and relatively close, Texas Tech, a team that limited Villanova to their worst shooting percentage in the last three seasons. The problem is, even though Villanova had their worst shooting percentage in the last three seasons, Villanova still won the game by 12 points. Difference this time around, Michigan's offense is much better than that Texas Tech offense. So if Villanova has a bad shooting night like they did in the Elite Eight, Michigan's the type of team that can make them pay. And as I mentioned in the first hour, doesn't it seem like Villanova's flexible enough to adjust their game plan where they're just not shooting as many threes if they're not making them, but they're still super effective inside the arc, and that's why they were so good offensively this year, like 15-year-level good? Well, what they did against Texas Tech is they had 51, 51 rebounds in the game, the most rebounds they had in any game. So while they had a poor shooting night, they were able to make up for it by getting a bunch of offensive rebounds and rebounds and dominating. The problem is... D- Michigan, defensively rebounding percentage, one of the top 20 teams in the country. I wouldn't expect Villanova to have such a rebounding disparity if they weren't making their shots. I want to talk about three-point shooting because I'm very concerned about Michigan's three-point shooting in San Antonio, in the Alamo Dome, 7 for 28, and frankly, they look completely psyched out by that backdrop. It really seemed to bother all of their players, and they were lucky to just to get up to 7 out of 28, 25%. That may well carry over. I think there's a couple ways to look at that, right? One, and let's define what you referenced there obliquely, is there's a theory, and and I think it's a fact, exactly how it applies is a theory. When you play in these big arenas or big stadiums, however you want to describe it, the the sight lines for the shooters, usually the backdrop is difficult. Depth perception is a challenge. And... We've debated as the years have gone by and these kids, especially the blue chippers, have played, you know, AAU and a lot of bigger venues, maybe not as much of a factor, but in general, we believe Final Four championship game, that level of size of venue, tough on shooting. To me, the fact that Michigan started that way, but finished hot, makes has to make you more optimistic, Fez than if they had started cold, got hot for 10 minutes, then ended cold. So it was like, okay, it was kind of random. Did it feel, I mean, if anything, you would feel they're going to be pretty confident. And Fez, you start with this. 
because it was imagine you're having trouble you're on a new golf course the greens are really fast you know first 12 holes you're struggling last six you you really got it going coming up your next round the next day you're going to feel pretty good right Yes, but it wasn't their guards that got it going. Wagner, their big man, actually started hitting threes in the second half. I don't know how much that's going to carry over to Monday's game. So that's it. So the whole this whole big outburst of Michigan's offense was one big guy making threes? It was, yeah. Wagner dominated the game. 24 points, 15 rebounds outside uh, of maybe. And how much is three-pointing a part of his normal game? More than probably any other 6'10", 6'11 guy in so the country. So it's not unusual. He's one of the key three-point shooters. Yeah, he's, he's well above average. In fact, I would say one of the top five big men in the country as far as shooting from the outside. All right, so Villanova, to recap, obviously no trouble with the venue and the sight lines. Michigan seemed to have trouble, but hey, their offense has struggled most of the NCAA tournament yep. anyway. It, 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 they've had three good halves. Or actually, two, one good game and maybe about a 10-minute stretch against... Loyola, my main factor is if I can get consistency for Michigan's offense, I think I'd have an easy winning ticket, in my opinion, as long as their defense remains consistent. I agree with that. Is It seems to me the Villanova offense very consistent. Yep. The Michigan defense very consistent. And as you said, Brad Powers, the best defense Villanova's faced this year statistically. How would you characterize the Villanova defense? Villanova much improved down the stretch, especially when they got Phil Booth back from missing seven games. Top 15 last 10 games. Okay, so fairly consistent. It seems to me this game hinges on the Michigan offense. If they play the way they've played this tournament, which hasn't been great on offense for Michigan, probably, in, probably and again, we can talk the spread because six and a half is a lot of points, but not going to win the game, you wouldn't think. Definitely not going to win the game and not going to cover the six and a half point spread. Villanova, six-and-a-half-point favorite against Michigan in the title game on Monday, so let's stick with key player. It's Wagner, right? Oh, no question it's and Wagner. the key player on both teams, it's Wagner. No, it's it's Wagner, who had the big game today, 24 points, 15 rebounds, and I th- thought fully well he could have had 30-plus if they really focused and, and utilized him for the entire game. Uh, he's a decent matchup for Villanova. See, Villanova is very unique in the fact that they have a 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", guy that can stretch and play on the outside. Those big guys, well, we just mentioned it. Wagner's one of those low post players that can get to the outside. So I think that's actually a favorable matchup for Michigan. I think there's another side to that, though, with Wagner, because the, the offense is one thing. He will have to play defense now. and He hasn't played, you know, he's, he's had the advantage of being the mismatch guy where he's taking bigs outside. Now he's going to have to play on you know medium-sized big guys, he's going to have to have a full effort here. And I'm saying he's now, a bad defensive player, ha, but he's ha, going to have to work. Hasn't he done that the whole season? Or and it, What I'm asking is, has there been any point this season he's had to do that? And not not too many. Not, not to actually go out and defend his opponent. Just like, I mean, how he... So did. Villanova has a big guy that's going to be a challenge to him. No question. And, and, I, and, I mean, and that player is... Well, yeah, yeah, it's going to be, a it's going to be Spellman, Spellman or or Pascal, yep. who both shoot threes, and Spellman was great early on, and he's a six eight two fifty center forward who he likes to face the basket and shoot. So Wagner's going to get a little of his own medicine. Hmm. So I love that we, you know, drill down, drill down. Right. This is what a pro pros do is we think it's the Michigan offense that's going to be the deciding factor. We think Wagner, German pronunciation. <laughs> is likely to be the key. We've talked about he, Wagner, might struggle 
defensively, maybe not struggle, but be challenged, right? How does Villanova, with those offensive, it seems like multiple bigs that can go out and shoot, how are they defensively? Who? It, what is that Villanova defensive matchup against Wagner? Against Wagner, I mean, it's going to be just flip, flip-flop there. Spellman's going to be guarding him or, or Posh. Okay, so not necessarily asking the name of the person, but how do is you Is there a mismatch? See- well, there is just a height mismatch a little bit because Wagner's got two, three, four inches on both of those guys. So, that'll so does be that the do you think there. that means Wagner should have – what's the over – what I'm trying to get at, I'm yep. not sure if it's not clear, how do you expect Wagner to do against the Villanova defense? I think he's going to have a, a solid game. Average 14 points per game for the season. Just had a 24 So hold on a point. second. The guy who is the key to this game, so the, the over-under total is 145. So we wouldn't be surprised if this game's in the 70s, right, yep. just mathematically. In the 70s, the guy who's the key averages how many points per game? 14. He's still the 14.5 points per game. He's the leading scorer for Michigan. Kind of Michigan's calling card, the fact that they have this much balance. Then how's he the key, though? Because in, in other – and that, that this is how we're breaking this game down. In other games, he's the guy who's the really difficult matchup. I don't know that he's But he really only good. scores 14 points as a difficult matchup. He's not a 25-point-per-game guy. So then, so the extra. Well, well, here's the thing: if you're taking their big out of the lane to cover Wagner, then it's opening it up for everyone else. Then that's so now the we're talking about spreading then. the floor. That's what I'm trying. I'm trying. And that was, and that was the, the case we brought up. What was it? Seven, eight games ago. Now was Michigan State. How ridiculous Michigan State looked defensively overall when they had 250 and 260 pound big men all being drawn away from the lane. All of a sudden, now everything is open in the middle. For the rest of the team. But that kind of old school basketball versus a big man, new school that's outside, Villanova's not going to have trouble with that. So not, not we, might, we might debate, okay, we think Villanova is, you know, uh, sort of well suited uh, or averagely suited or above averagely suited to defend Michigan, but Villanova is not poorly suited to defend Michigan. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Uh, so we can debate where they're at, but they're at least comp. This is not a mismatch. Michigan no. does not have an X's and O's mismatch nope. that they can exploit. Well, then that makes me scared because it feels like if the team being, if Michigan being uh, spreading the scoring around so much is their calling card, as you said, Cofield, maybe that's the discussion is how does Villanova do against a team whose offense is so spread out, is so, um, I guess, uh, allotted to many people as opposed to one or two big scores. Is that a problem? Does Villanova maybe have, because if a team, let's just talk conceptually, had like two really good, one, you know, three that can really defend and one guard that can really defend, that team might do really well against a team with two scores, right? But if the team has four scores, that team with only two stoppers is in trouble. How would you characterize the way a Villanova defense is going to play against a Michigan team that spreads the ball around? Well, Kansas is a team that, that spreads the ball around, and really Villanova's defense didn't have too much of a problem tonight. And was that, would you have, pre- I mean, you liked Villanova coming in the game, yep. right? You lean that way. So did you see something today that you think against Kansas crosses over to Michigan? No. Okay, so I'm confused. So you just said... Well, I don't see anything that would raise a concern that says, hey, Villanova's defense might not match up well in a specific spot. You didn't hear my question. Is What I asked was, was there anything you saw today against Kansas that you think Villanova did that crosses over 
So let me define that against Michigan, meaning if they could stop Kansas and the way Kansas spreads the ball around, it means they probably can stop Michigan and the way they spread the ball around. Well, Kansas's two main guys did get their points today. Newman and Graham got their points. The, the difference being Azubuki, a terrible matchup. Kansas's big guy down low couldn't do anything against Villanova's defense. The other side, Michigan's big man, is not a down-low post player in Wagner, hence why we feel Wagner is the key player in the game. Let's get leans and likes on the national title game. Villanova laying six and a half. Some numbers already have it up. Some books already have it up to seven and a half. That's on the way. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Let's get some leans, some likes on the national title game. Villanova, minus 6.5 over Michigan. Total is 145.5. So the methodology here on Straight Out of Vegas is we force our pros because we know some of you guys are going to bet the game regardless. So even if they think the number is only off by about a half a point, that's a And when they have a game they very well could bet, doesn't mean they're going to bet every game they like. We do have the best bets that are clear bets, but these are like, this is a clear uh, opinion when they like it. So, Brad, do you lean or like this game, and who do you like? I lean with Michigan, but I'm not going to race to the sports book right after straight out of Vegas to bet Michigan. I think RJ couldn't have said it better earlier. If you're looking to bet the dog, I'd wait until not only game day, but maybe an hour or so before game day. I think the public's going to be really heavy on Villanova, and I'll wait and get a much better number on game day on Michigan lean with the Wolverines. Now, we broke down a lot of elements of this. What would be the number one reason you, you lean towards Michigan? Is their defense. Again, Villanova has not seen a defense as good. I know the opposite side, hey, Michigan's defense hasn't seen as good of an offense as Villanova, but I just got done seeing two games ago Villanova struggle with a similar ranked defense, and if that's the case, again, Michigan's offense is much better than Texas Tech's. Last question is, how many Villanova players that won the title are key players in this game? Four. So there's a lot. So the idea of the pressure, this this is probably the team most suited of any starting the season to play in a championship game and feel like, hey, this is where we belong. Them in North Carolina, no question. Fezzik, same question, lean or like? I lean to Villanova, lay the six and a half, and I want to bet this tonight before it possibly goes so up. So you agree. Now, you are a master, a master at looking at the board, and having a really good feel of which way the line's going to move. In all the five boroughs, I'm known. I'm known all over the f-ing world. So, <laughs> do you? it seems like you agree where this line is moving. Yeah, I think it's, gonna, it's going up. It's going to go up to seven and a half, and then the well, day... Well, first off... Likely. For, hold on. Yeah. Don't sound like you... you you might be known all over the effing world, but you, you don't have a crystal ball. So tell us what you think is going to happen. I think it's likely, RJ, that the spread on this game goes up to 7.5, and, and then the pros who do like the underdog Michigan, they might come in in the last hour, and then the spread might drop down to 7. So what you're saying is if you had to have, if someone had to decide right now when to bet Villanova, that's easy. Bet it now. Bet yeah. it ASAP. Bet it right now. And I have a very simplistic reason why I like Villanova. But, but as I was recapping, I was halfway done. 
is <laughs> if you like Michigan, if you like Michigan, it sounds like if you could now some people, some pros have bots that do this, but if you could put an order in, give me a market order on Michigan an hour or maybe uh, 90 minutes before game time just to be safe because at some point you think the pros start buying Michigan heavy and maybe it drops it. So let's say at uh, 7 o'clock Eastern on Monday would be the time you'd probably fire in Michigan. I like it. 60 to 90 minutes before tip-off, yes. Can we go a little deeper on how the line is set? I was just thinking out of the square chair. How do we know it's all power ratings? Like, How do we know the books haven't just blown this and haven't accounted for crazy, as you call it, recency bias, where the casual fans are like, oh my God, Villanova, 18 threes, and all of a sudden there's just all Villanova money that comes in, and it it goes to eight, and it stays at eight. So I think when, and we could do, I mean, there there could be a 400-page book written about how to handicap a game, and then on top of the handicap is the bookmaking consideration. So let's start with that. We talked about it last night. There's a handicapper's line and a bookmaker's line. What's the difference? Handicapping line is attempting to split the results. The theory is this line's going to have the favorite win half the time cover, half the time, dog cover half the time. Okay. The bookmaking line wants to split the action, the betting action. So the only difference between the two is public bias. Right? If the public were 100% sharp, the bookmaking line and the handicapping line would be the same. So I think, and this is a great exercise, I think we all agree that wherever this line closes, it's going to be a little bit inflated. Right? The idea that there's not some recency bias on Villanova, I, I don't think anyone could make that case. Right. So the, Now, we could make the case, yeah, there's recency bias on Villanova, but, but Villanova is actually two points better than anyone thinks, so there's still value on Villanova. But the public is betting Villanova not because of any secret reason they understand that we don't or the Sharps don't. They're doing it because of what they just saw. So does anyone disagree with that? No disagreement. Five straight wins, double digits, all covers. They're betting Villanova. And in this case, we can look at the look-ahead line that was out there on this matchup a couple days ago where Villanova, Michigan, hypothetical at the time, Villanova was a minus 5.5 to a minus 6-point favorite. (laughs) And now we're seeing about a point uh, inflation because of that recency bias, Villanova looking so good. Yeah, but 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 just, now here a lot of listeners might be saying, or some might be saying, well, if a team looks good, you're sp- they're supposed to be laying more. It's just one game doesn't tell you enough to have such an adjustment. Brad, you said something fascinating, and I don't have this database. Maybe you do, and if so, you can tweet it out. How often has the championship participant been five and zero against the spread? Not very often. I'm going to look at that. Okay, so why don't you 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 commit to tweeting it out? Absolutely. Because right, my gut feeling, it doesn't happen often. My gut feeling is they have a horrible record in the finals. Because if all you've been is affirmed, if all you've gotten is positive feedback from betting Villanova, what are you going to do? Right? So your Twitter, at Brad Powers 7, at Brad Powers, P O W E R S, the number seven, you'll tweet that out tomorrow. Absolutely. All right. Now, I love that our experts, Fezzik and Brad Powers, are split on this game. Because, and I don't know if this plays in at all. It, it shouldn't, I guess. They both have 40-1 to 1 tickets on Michigan for the national title that they essentially grabbed around the same time. I remember during breaks, Brad's like, hey, man, they still got 40-1 to 1 out there on Michigan. This was like four Fridays ago, and Fezzik was all fired up. I think, you, I think you texted us at like 2 in the morning, and you're like, 
Forty to one, it's still there. So they both. Well, he got was down texting to say, "Hey, Steve, you're in the square chair, but if you want to get sharp, I'm going to give you one." And you know, I went right to the, almost. I, did, like, I didn't do it. I didn't bet it. I was actually <laughs> well. That, I was that's just why. To our producer, if you would have bet it, I'm like, why don't I listen to them? But they both have forty to one. But Michigan if you National if you would have bet it, we would never have that ticket. Would not be live right now. That would. That, I'm the jinx. I'm the <laughs> but, bush. <laughs> one thing I do want to talk about the tickets, but yeah. I, I want to. I, I think if people and I know we've got. Very dedicated listeners are straight out of Vegas. And I want to make sure we make clear, which if I were listening, I'd say, wait a minute. Something seems a little contradictory. So just to be clear, Brad, you lean. Michigan. You lean. Villanova. Okay. So we just said, and no one disagreed, that there's a premium on Villanova. That would, Like you said, Fez, the line would have been about five and a half. Now we're moving towards seven, some places higher. How can you think then the value is there? So, as we said, there has to be other re- there's always there could be 20, 30 factors in a game. It might be the public's extra excited about Villanova, so they're laying an extra half point or a point, but these seven other reasons add up to three points of value on Villanova. Thus, I still lean Villanova. What are the one or two main reasons you're willing to pay? You know, hey, sometimes you look at a house. Real estate market and the house is uh, last year it was two hundred thousand, now it's three hundred thousand, but it still could be a good deal. Now, you know the house is inflated; a house shouldn't go up fifty percent in one year. But are there reasons that are bigger than that inflation? Thus, you're willing to pay the quote unquote expense. You're laying right now with your lean fast and a team you just admitted he fell in the trap. He just admitted was expensive. Why are you willing to lay it with an expensive Villanova team? Because I feel Villanova, like the Cleveland Cavaliers, has a second gear here in the NCAA tournament, in the playoffs. This is a much better team. Let's look at their last three games. We've talked about they won every game by double digits. Villanova has beaten West Virginia, Texas Tech, and Kansas, all three of them by double digits. What do those three teams have in common? They all have a power rating very comparable to what Michigan's power rating is. So they played three teams that basically are as good as Michigan. So do you agree with that, Brad? I have Michigan slightly higher than all three, but all within a point and a half or so. Okay. You have Michigan higher than Kansas. I do. All right. And you, and you, <laughs> hence, well, if you listen to last night's show, that's why I thought there's value on Michigan and value against Kansas in the Final Four. Separate games, but coming, yeah, that in, doesn't make coming any into sense. the NCAA tournament, I had Kansas between 8 well, and let, 10 and let, Michigan how's, 5. It, how's this sound? I think we're getting in the weeds here. So let, let's agree that they're comparable teams. Villanova, play, their last three teams are within a, a bucket of Michigan. Go ahead, Fez. And they handled all three teams fairly comfortably, and they played a terrible game against Texas Tech offensively, and they still won by double digits. I don't think anything can, any team's going to be able to stop this team. So, I don't think any team is going to be able to stop this team. Okay, we got it. Now, here's my question. What you're saying another way is Villanova's way underrated. Yes, I think they're much so this better is a team, in the playoffs. This is a te- no, no, I heard that. I heard that. Is You're saying today, everyone's so excited about... Villanova, and even with all that recency bias, they're expensive. They're just intrinsically undervalued enough to overcome that. So, and, and you're saying one of the reasons they're undervalued is 
this team really didn't play super hard during the regular season. The, the only rationale of being better in the playoffs is you either didn't try hard during the regular season or you tried hard intermittently, right? Not all the time. Or there's something about postseason, ba- this type of postseason basketball they're well suited for. Or in the NBA, back in the day, it was a more physical game in the playoffs. Some teams were better. So is this just a matter of effort, or is this a matter of the type of game that's played in the NCAA tournament? I believe it's effort. I think they were coasting all February and March, knowing they had a number one seed locked up already. So if you thought Villanova is so good that like no team can beat this team, you know, figure all the pronouns out. No team could beat this team ever. Why didn't you take do you have a nice big Villanova ticket in your pocket? I did not because, Why? because they were only getting Three and a half to but one. But if this team is an all-time historically good team, why wouldn't Kentucky a couple years ago? We thought had an all-time team, and they were even money. Plus three, plus three fifty is gold. I do not feel they're an all-time historically good team, but I do feel that they are much stronger than all these other teams that they've had to play in this tournament. Let's talk about those future tickets on the way back. But first, with the latest, Ralph Irvin. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. And, of course, we talk about the Final Four as Villanova has advanced to the championship game with a 95-79 win over Kansas. They will take on Michigan Monday in San Antonio after the Wolverines dispatch Loyola of Chicago 69-57. to In the NBA, Washington a winner over Charlotte. 107-93, Detroit beat the Knicks. 115-109, Boston won their sixth straight. 110-99 over Toronto. Brooklyn overtime winner at Miami, 110-109. And Golden State took out Sacramento, 112-96. Some concern for the Warriors during that game. Patrick McCaw taking a hard fall during the game. Had numbness, couldn't really move. He was sent to the UC Davis Medical Center. Just some updates. Checks, x-rays were clear. He's got feeling in his legs. CT scan clear. So the major injury scare... Kind of averted, he will have MRIs uh, at a time to be determined later. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And gentlemen, over at the T-Mobile Arena, the Vegas Golden Knights beat San Jose 3-2 to clinch the NHL's Pacific Division Championship in, of course, their first ever season. The Golden Knights currently at 6-1 to to win the Stanley Cup. That is the third best odds now in the league. Thank you, Ralph. Appreciate it. Yeah, crazy season for the Vegas Golden Knights. RJ Bell is here at Steve Cofield. It's straight out of Vegas. Fezzik and Brad Powers in our wise guys' chairs, and they are split on the national title game. Which, listen, we always, this is one of those public service announcements from Vegas, straight out of Vegas. Guys, you can only win in sports betting if the line is wrong. So what's the market right now? Seven? Is it fair to say the market's seven, Steve? Okay. So what does wrong mean? It means the line either should be eight and a half. If you don't think this line should be eight and a half, which is a point and a half higher than seven, you can't really lay it with Villanova if you're trying to invest. If you're having fun, hey, have fun, right? Even if you're trying to have fun, you can try to do it smart, right? But if you're saying, yeah, RJ, I hear you. I might be a little negative expectation here, but hey, just like remember in Tin Cup, you ever see Tin Cup, Tin Cup, Cofield? Sure. Remember after the third round, they're like, why didn't you lay up? He goes, it was a low percentage play. <laughs> he says, I'm a low percentage player. <laughs> Look at me. I got the Salome driving range. Great movie, Tin Cup. Is <laughs> the, 
it's okay to not bet like a pro. It's just fine. If you learn how to bet like a pro, at least you can pick and choose, right? And, but if you're trying to invest, line needs to be eight and a half in your mind. It should be eight and a half to lay it. And the line needs to be five and a half to take it. And if the line should be six, six and a half, seven, seven and a half, or eight, you root, you shouldn't do anything. So that's handicapping 101. What do you think the line should be? What is the line? Now I know, Fez, you can say, well, at a point, maybe it's close. If you can lay 105, it doesn't apply to normal you know, <laughs> civilians. Is I think a good point and a half in basketball, you should feel good. But that's a great exercise is anytime you're laying. And, and it happens sometimes, and even pros can't answer the question. They'll be like, and let's forget, football has key numbers, so it's not, you know, three is such a key number, you don't need a point and a half. But let's say the, the line is is four, right? And I'll say, do you really think this should be, you know, five and a half? And they're saying, yeah, no, but, you know, it's like then you can't lay it. Now, these guys don't typically, you know, they haven't made that mistake for years, but I, you know, let me ask you, Steve, how many games do you, you know, you're not, you don't bet a ton, but when you're betting, do you think, like that, where no, 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 I bet like a square. And what stops you from thinking like that? I don't know. I don't <laughs> it's just, know. You're just looking it's, for fun. Yeah, it's mostly fun. Yeah, and I listen. I love recreational. You know, I, I don't do a ton of it because I get enough action myself. But if I had uh, three kids tugging on my knees and I'm turning over those sausage links, I wouldn't mind. You know, Monday night having twenty dollars on a game. Not, I don't care what the line should be. Right. Yep. So a little fun pass. So let's dive into this notion of future tickets. These guys have 40 to 1 future tickets, Fezzik and Brad Powers. Right, so, so what do you what do you do? Do you hedge? What do you do in a title game because the golden ticket moment is here. So Brad, let's start with you in 30 40 seconds. What was it about Michigan when it was 40 to 1? What did you see that made you fire on well, that ticket. I just took a look at my power rings at that particular time, and Michigan clearly was in my top 10 to 12, and I just looked at the now, price. At what point did you bet this? Uh, March 3rd, the day of the Big Ten semifinals, right after Michigan beat, uh, I believe it was Michigan State in the semifinals, going into the Big Ten championship game. And I just thought mispricing. Every other team in my top 10 or 12 of the power rings at that point was 20 to 1, 10 to 1, 15 to 1. And then in the case of a Villanova, Duke, Michigan State, 5 to 1, I thought the 40 to 1 was just a, a huge value point. And Fez, what was your rationale? The same. And we even previewed the finals where Michigan was playing Purdue in the Big Ten tournament. And both Brad and I agreed hey, these are two comparable teams right now. Why would we want to bet Purdue to win at some silly odds like 12 to 1 when we get Michigan to win the Big Dance at 40 to 1 value? All right. Now I think. Fez, with your ticket, which is a jumbo ticket, now it's all relative, right? Is if you're working uh, a low-paying job, maybe $1,000 is life-changing money. If you're Derek Stevens, the guy with the million-dollar ticket, and he owns casinos, you know, he has to decide if that is life-changing money, right? I don't know his finances, but it might not be, right? So to me, that's the starting point with hedging is, is it life-changing money? And if it is, you hedge because it's the old saying, let's take a number we all know for almost everybody. It'd be cool if we had a billionaire listening. But if you're not a billionaire, $100 million is life-changing money. I would be willing to take, let's say there was a 50-50 chance to win $100 million. 
I would be willing to take as low as $30 million rather than a 50% chance at 100 Because to me, that 30 I the difference between 30 and 50 which is what it should be, you know, 50% chance at 100 there's very little utility. <laughs> it doesn't, the utility means does it matter. Now, for some people who want a private jet or whatever, maybe it matters. To me, I'll take my 30. I'm going to be fine. Don't worry about RJ anymore. You might not hear from me for a while. <laughs> it might be a long summer. <laughs> I'm going to be fine. Though the math doesn't work. So do we, in Fez, you're a, a guy, you're, the money management, one of your strongest suits, that's how you haven't had a straight job for quite a while, for almost a century, I think it's fair to say. Yes, but do you not also hold a day job, paying job, a, a square job? No square job for Fez. We know that much. So he's, he had a good smile on his face there. <laughs> Is, do you agree if it's life-changing money, the math doesn't mean as much? I agree. If it's life-changing money, got to hedge back something. Or, you know, what I, it's like you're looking to get extract value out of there to make sure your life gets changed regardless. Right? right. Okay. Now, luckily for you, $16,000 is not life-changing money. I'm betting I'd be willing to make a major bet. We haven't discussed this. I'd be willing to make a major bet you're hedging. I am going to hedge. So no, explain why. I may not fully hedge. I'll partially hedge. And the reason being is I, I feel I'm going to have a positive expectation bet going in the other direction, in this game, taking Villanova to win on the money line. Okay, now this is fascinating. So, one, when you hedge, if you want to hedge in an um, obvious way, now you can hedge with a dog on a spread and be hoping, and Derek Stevens did a variation of this, where hedge some on the money line and then some on the spread, and he was hoping to potentially catch middle or whatever. But let's keep it simple, is... The money line is what matters. Your ticket, if Michigan wins, your ticket cashes. If Michigan loses, your ticket's worthless. All, right? all, we can, all the strutting and all that doesn't mean anything. You just lost $400. All right. So it strikes me, or, or it's obvious, if Michigan were favored, it'd be much easier to hedge. So when you have in the final game an underdog, it's going to be expensive to hedge. To, to make where you win with Villanova, you're going to have to lay in the minus 280 range. So what Can I it, jump in for one second? Yes. Willie? Or is this the Super Bowl phenomenon where he's actually going to get a little better number on the money line because there are going to be a lot of people who walk up to the, the window and just say, I'll take Michigan to win. I don't know if it matters, but it'll, you know, could it be 230 or 220 instead of where it should be at 280? Now, so the 280 was when it was 6.5. So I'm guessing right now... At seven, seven and a half, we're looking in the, the three, three twenty range. So let's talk about this three, three twenty line up well with is that really where it should be with a seven point favor? Yes. All right. So why do you think there's value on the money line? Well, Cofield stole my thunder here. In a title game, oftentimes what happens is the public they don't like to bet the underdog plus the points. They like to go ahead and take a flyer with them to win the game outright. No one wants to lay minus three twenty to make a hundred dollars. So the, the super <laughs> recreational batters, yeah. they walk up and say, "Give me Villanova." Well, do you want to lay seven? What does lay seven mean, right? But are there that many recreational batters on a Monday in Vegas? I know we talk about this for the Super Bowl. I know it ta- we talk about this for the college football title game a little bit. 
I don't think it applies here. And I also don't think it applies because who wants to bet Michigan right now compared to against this all-time quote-unquote Villanova team but, that they just saw? But that that's another factor. But just with the amount of recreational money here in Vegas, you think there's that much to have this phenomenon where the money line gets depressed quickly? It is a factor. It's just not as nearly significant as it is in the Super Bowl, per se. All right, so when we come back, last segment, we're going to figure out exactly what Fez is going to do with his ticket, and we'll repeat our picks on the national championship game when we come back. That's next straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Back here on Straight Out of Vegas, brought to you by Hooters. Get the Hooters and try the new smoked wings. It's a whole new way to crave wings, and with all the taste and half the calories, you can eat twice as many Hooters. All right, take us down the stretch here. With this future ticket, actually, Fezzik is the uh, future ticket in debate. 40-1 to 1 on Michigan to win the title, and he's right there in the title game. And six, and Brad has a ticket, too. Fezzik's $16,000 winner, and we've gone over it. If it's life-changing money, you've got to hedge out no matter what. If it isn't life-changing money, what a pro does is he'll bet the other side. If he likes the other side, which is possible, you can have a Michigan ticket and like Villanova. Fez, you like Villanova here. So you're going to be hedging, but you're going to so you'll win both ways because you like Michigan at forty to one, thumbs up, and now you like Villanova in this title game. And the way to hedge is going to be on the money line. So you're going to have to lay the lumber. Correct, but I won't hedge it the whole way. I'll be rooting hard for my Michigan sixteen thousand ticket to win. Here's a question. I'm not going to answer it. I'm going to put it out there. I'm a graduate of the Ohio State University. I hate Michigan, the school up north, as they say. As a Steeler fan, I hate the Ravens. Sometimes I get more joy from the Ravens losing than I do from the Steelers winning. I hate that. I, I have hate in my heart. I'll be honest. <laughs> is if I'm hating Michigan, is it better? And Steve Gorman, who's a Michigan guy, I've been harassing him for years right here on Fox about their futility. Do we? Is it better for the team you hate to get to the cusp and lose? Or would it be better if they didn't even make the tournament? To me, I'm going to have more fun with Gorman if they lose on Monday. Just I, something to think about. I agree. I agree. Uh, we've got golf betting that I did not think we would have again in terms of Tiger Woods in a major, the Masters, and he is anywhere from the top choice to the fourth choice overall. Going to the Masters this week at 13-1. to 1. So why don't you, Steve, read down the favorites, right? The four or five favorites. McElroy, 10-1. to 1, Jordan Spieth, 11. Justin Thomas, 12-1. to 1, Tigers, 13. Dustin Johnson, 13. Justin Rose, 17. So, Faz, you've got a theory in 30 seconds or so. It's hard to say. It's almost impossible to bet Tiger no to win it. But you think Tiger being overrated, again, recreational money, the way to bet is matchups. Yeah, head-to-head matchups. I will fade Tiger. I will bet against him in head-to-head matchups. I will bet on Rory McIlroy to beat Tiger. I'll bet on Spieth to beat Woods. I'll bet on Thomas to beat Woods, etc. So so you just take the best players in the world. Different sports books are going to have different matchups. You figure Tiger's overrated, I'm fading him, and it just matters amongst those two golfers who has the better result. Exactly correct. So, Cofield, I think next week, it's good. we're so excited because, obviously, straight out of Vegas, football-focused all the way through the Super Bowl. We've been college basketball-focused now through this week. Now, next week, we're going to start previewing football. We're going to have Fezzik's NFL Top 10. We're going to have Brad Powers, the college specialist, his Top 10. 
And we're going to start previewing teams and we're going to start previewing conferences, specifically in college, as we approach the football season. It's not that far away. And all the other stuff, NBA, baseball, all the hot take stuff, cold cash over hot takes. Well, you and I, and don't bet on it, we'll do this on this show as well, straight out of Vegas, the debates over the NFL draft, too. Oh. And wagering on that. I My thought, God. This is your strongest suit, I think, is the way you take sports takes, and you've got a different perspective than the average radio host. I've got the Vegas perspective. I'm excited. I try. Jonas Knox is very good at that, too. He's on the way. We're back next Friday right here. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 